Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And, and we, we are, are the Extra Sisters. Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to another Haunted Happy Hour. And in this Haunted Happy Hour, we're going historical. So we are going to do a little bit of everything pertaining to ancient Egypt in this one, except for aliens. I didn't go down that route. <laughs> no. I don't know. I was about to say, I don't know if you did, but I don't think we're going to get into the aliens today because we can't, we can't prove anything about the aliens, but we don't need aliens to talk about some spooky things about Egyptian mythology, their gods and goddesses, and just some of the legends surrounding ancient Egypt and some of the ways that they carried out society. And it's also just really super interesting to talk about one of the first civilizations that we know Mm -hmm. of. Yeah, absolutely. And you also have just always been enamored by Egypt in general. Yeah, that's I put this haunted happy hour on the list because Egypt is fucking cool and it's creepy. And who doesn't want to talk about some of their urban legends and myths and gods? Come on. Yeah, especially because like a lot of their like scarier gods are actually goddesses. So it's yeah, that's badass. right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> they also love cats. That's so me. It's great. Yeah, they're just. You, just, you need to visit, but I know it's I not really safe. I want to go so bad, yeah. Yeah, one day. Yeah. One day. If you It'll happen. Start. Connor and I already have said, like, of the things that we could die with and be okay with, you know, like, vi- not visiting Machu Picchu, that's fine. Not visiting Egypt will probably kill my soul a little bit. Like, it won't kill you because you'll already be dead, but, like, part of your right. soul will be super upset exactly. about it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean... In Egypt, there are all kinds of parts of the soul. So I don't know. Maybe my car won't go where it needs to go. I don't know if I have one of those places. I just will be sad if I don't get to see, like, I've been to Mexico, but like that, not that it doesn't count because I got to go, like, see some ruins and that was incredible. Like, it's almost like a, not out of body, but you just like, if you really appreciate it, like I've mentioned before talking about history, there were so many people that I could just tell weren't taking it in mm-hmm. when you're standing in literally ancient history. Oh no. I told Connor, I was like, if we go to Egypt, I'm going to cry. Like you're going to have to tell people, give my wife a second. She'll, she'll get it back together. This has just been a dream. But <laughs> I think that like when we went to Chichen Itza, like obviously yes, take pictures and have fun, but I just was so like overwhelmed by the atmosphere and the Mm -hmm. feelings and, and it's not even, it's not my culture. It's not my heritage. It's, it's nothing like that, but just as a human being, like this is our history Mm -hmm. and you don't get to stand in something that old very often. And not that the United States isn't that old, especially, but we've, unfortunately, this is awful done so much erasure here, Mm -hmm. but standing with those, fucking the the pyramid still standing and it was not a pyramid mm-hmm. but you know what I mean like it was just you could see it it was just like right in front of you so ha- being in anything like that especially Egypt when we talk about ancient Egyptian culture like it's it, I, it's hard to wrap my mind around you know oh yeah like I mean it existed for 3000 years. It's been 3000 years since the end of it. Like that's that's crazy to even think of. Yeah. And so we're going to talk about and some of them like there was even a goddess that they were talking about in this and it had like two sentences that she was just terrifying. That's all we know because nothing really no, nothing else really survived of her legend. Oh, I love that. I love yeah. that. I can't wait. I'm excited. Yeah. This is going to be fun. 
Yeah. So you may start since this is your thing. Okay. So mine are more, they're ancient, but they're also nowadays. So they're urban legends. And the first urban legend I have is El El Nadaha. And I'm so sorry. I'm going to butcher them, but I still love you. This one originated from the Egyptian countryside of the Nile Delta, where people claimed that a siren-like, beautiful, mysterious woman appears in the fields at night. El Nadaha comes out of the water cavern and waits on the shores of the river or among the bushes. She speaks a man's name, bewitching him with a chant-like call that he drops whatever he's doing and whoever he's with to follow the sound of her hypnotizing voice. The poor fellow then finds himself lured into the Nile where he inevitably drowns. It is also said that occasionally El Nadaha could fall in love with the man she's calling and takes him to the underworld and marries him. She eventually kills him and buries his bones in her cavern, though, in fear that he may escape and reveal the secrets of her world. And I find that one so interesting. All of Egypt is so interesting to me, but also the fact that that was basically a siren that that, that I just read. It's basically a Greek siren. And that's Egypt has existed so much longer than these other civilizations like Greece, there are so many things that the Greeks took from Egypt. And this is just yet another example of that. So even sirens are not the Greeks. Yeah. They just, we just change things like Mm -hmm. God, like we've talked about this so many times, but the concept of God, like the Muslim God, the Christian God, it doesn't matter. It's all the same. Mm -hmm. We just take and borrow and move things around and rewrite and, we make up rules according to what we think they should be as a culture and a standard for this particular way. We want these certain people to live and we want to rule them. And we, mm-hmm. it's, it just moves and it's fluid around time and culture. Exactly. It's the, especially for Egypt, it's the same. Oh, this just like kills me inside. It makes me want to die. I don't even want to say it, but it's just like the fact that we have all these Egyptian obelisks that still exist in the world but they don't exist in Egypt because all these countries have taken them and just put them in their own cities. And they're actually degrading now because you can't take something that's in the desert where it's going to survive forever and put it in downtown London where there's pollution and stuff that's going to eat at that stone. And yet countries did that and continue to do that. Right. Thieves. Yeah, I mean, we've taken so much. It's, we've literally stolen other cultures and put it in museums. We we don't just get articles. Like, most of it has been stolen. Correct. Like, I would love to visit the Louvre someday. But now, like, knowing that most of that stuff is from Napoleon stealing from everybody else. <laughs> that yeah. sucks. Hand it back, man. Stolen, appropriated. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I, you know, having it all protected and in one place, but is, I know that there's a benefit to it, but it's more beneficial for it to be with the culture it belongs to. Or even with the climate that it belongs to. There are so many stories. So Connor and I have recently really been getting into Egypt again, and we've been watching uh, Great Courses Plus lecture on ancient Egypt and it's like 48 episodes so it's very in-depth and there are so many things that I've heard about that have been tossed off ships because they think it's cursed like mummies that are thrown off ships and things like that and it's like how fucking dare you or that it's destroyed because it can't it shouldn't exist like I said in London where it's rainy and things like that it should be in a 
arid desert climate. Stop taking this shit. Yeah, exactly. Human beings are selfish. We, yeah. we want, we want, we want, we take, we take, we take. Especially exactly. white people. Exactly. It existed for thousands of years and and has survived that long only to be destroyed by us. That's, that's fucking great. Good job, guys. Woo! So some of the s- scarier things I got, I think like God concepts are scary in general, but some of the ones that have been created like to specifically scare people are mm-hmm. well i mean god was created to scare people exactly but you know what i mean like i get you i get you this one the ancient egyptian goddess amit was the personification of divine retribution yeah we stand a queen <laughs> she sat right beside the scales of ma'at ready to devour the souls of those deemed unworthy those unfortunate enough to fail the test would suffer the feared second death and have no chance of the blissful life of the field of reeds instead of roaming restlessly for eternity. So just real quick, I have more on her, but mm-hmm. it also reminds me of judgment day in Christianity. Like again, these things, uh-huh. they just travel through time and they change and they're fluid with culture as people want to write their own versions absolutely and i'm sorry but what is the coolest culture that has ever existed the egyptians so of course you're going to want to take shit from that (laughs) and one of the longest you know yeah so the deceased made a confession and the number of evil things that they had ever been guilty of and their heart was weighted against the feather of ma'at justice or balance it was not necessary to be totally good but reasonably well balanced there were also a number of spells and amulets the deceased could use to increase their chance of success sounds like a video game like, <laughs> you know right. her name is generally translated as devourer but could also be bone eater and yeah. she was yeah She was known as devourer of millions, leading to the suggestion that the god Amhe was one of her aspects. Some scholars have linked her with the hippopotamus goddess Tawarat because of the similarities in their appearance and the role in fighting evil. According to some traditions, she lived by the scales of justice, but other sources suggest that she lived by a lake of fire into which the souls of the guilty were thrown. According to these traditions, she did not devour the souls, but protected the lake. She was generally depicted as a demon with the head of a crocodile, the torso of a wild cat, and the hindquarters of a hippopotamus. However, she would also take human form. Amit was never worshipped and was not strictly a goddess, but her image was thought to ward off evil. She was the personification of all that the ancient Egyptians feared and a reminder to live by the principles of Ma'at. Although she was referred to as a demon, she was in reality a force for order. Moreover, each person was at least given the chance to defend their life before being consigned to eternal damnation. Isn't that all women? Aren't we all looked at as evil, but we're just here for order? Joking. I don't know. Like, if somebody (laughs) literally called me, like bone eater or like refer she's the devourer of millions i'd be like that's fucking right don't you i know it? right <laughs> that is so metal <laughs> exactly like uh-huh you can put that on my jacket and embroider it right on the back of that denim be like i'm getting that tattooed somewhere on my body yeah exactly and call up my artist be like, have another one <laughs> 
Actually, there's a couple goddesses in here where their nicknames, I would just write them down and be like, I want that one, that <laughs> one. Right. Okay, my next one. El Sa'awa. This mysterious wolf, jackal, fox hybrid of a creature is said to live in the mountains, desert, and the remote places of Egypt. It actually originated in the times of the pharaohs, when it was told that this creature attacked anyone who tries to trespass on a temple or a graveyard. In more modern times, our grandparents would tell you quite a different story. One that includes a man and his wife, and his wife's sister, who transformed into the Selawa every night. The two women would go out in secret every night to dig up people from their graves and eat their remains. When the man followed them once and saw what they were, he confronted his wife the next day, and she was furious, but kept him alive for the sake of their two children, then forever disappeared along with her sister. Do you think that's ridiculous? People actually believe this creature appeared in New Cairo only a little under two decades ago, when there was nothing there but Nata on Road 90, so much that they wouldn't dare go to that area after sunset. That's fucking cool. Mm-hmm. I think I actually have something about specifically the sunset and the colors, which is like a great lead in to my next thing here Ooh. and like what they specifically felt about like the color red and why they were like mm, sunsets night. No, thank you. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. Cause that was a, that was a great segue. Thank you yeah. for the setup. I really you appreciate are welcome. it. <laughs> I feel like you've mis- mentioned Chesmu before. Does that sound familiar? No. Maybe I know this from something else then. Okay. Shesmu is the ancient Egyptian, Egyptian demonic god of execution, slaughter, blood, oil, wine, and perfume. I love it. But, but wait. <laughs> Getting till you drunk he- and fucking people up. Wait till you hear how he gets his wine, though. Wait. Ooh. It's so good. So good. Like many of the gods of ancient Egypt, Shesmu was of a complex nature. He had qualities of both light and darkness, but this was not the reason that he was known as a demon. To the Egyptians, like other African gods, demons were not necessarily evil in nature. Often they were quite helpful. Instead, the term demon was given to Shesmu because he was one of the lesser deities and due to his relation to the underworld. Shesmu was the demonic god of red wine, slaughter, and sometimes perfume or oils. The link between blood and the crimson color of wine is obvious. Shesmu was known to destroy wrongdoers, gruesomely putting their heads in wine presses to remove the blood. Oh, that's fucking awesome. He was known as the executioner of Osiris. Shesmu followed the commands of the god of the dead and therefore sometimes given the title slaughterer of souls. Put that shit on my jacket, too. (laughs) Slaughterer of souls. He initially seems to be a fierce underworld deity, but Shesmu was quite helpful to the dead. Although he was a harsh executioner of the wicked, he was also a great protector of the virtuous. Shesmu offered red wine to those who had passed on. Other than wine, he was in charge of the earthly objects, such as embalming oils and perfumes. Among the gods, his job was to use the bodies of blood of the dead to create sustenance for other gods. Osiris was the one who ordered the use of the wicked one's blood to be turned to wine. So, you know how Jesus would turn water to wine? (laughs) Fuck that. Right? His title, Lord of Blood, also all the other ones I mentioned. So, I'm adding to my list, man. (laughs) Who knew? He was sometimes given the title Demon of the Wine Press. On a darker note, Shesmu's affinity with the color red linked him to evil. 
Crimson was a feared and hated color among the Egyptians. Not only is it the universal color of blood and therefore death, but it was the color of the god of chaos, Seth. Since it was also the color of the setting sun, red was associated with the coming darkness and the reign of Apep, also known as Ephesus in Greek, the serpent demon. He appeared to have the head of a lion, fangs, and mane drenched in blood. Yeah. It is said he wore human skulls around his waist like a belt. I love that shit. Turn it on its head. We always wear, like, fucking gross shit from animals we'd kill. Absolutely. Yeah. He was feared as the unyielding punisher of the damned. His greatest cult was, oh, that doesn't matter. I just yeah he had a bunch he had worshippers but they were mostly cult worshippers basically hmm. yeah so that was your transition into <laughs> that just I, the whole like when I was reading about like what kind of like spooky things I was gonna try to find from Egypt and like the whole crushing a skull to make wine can somebody do a movie on that please dude there is so much cool fucking Egyptian shit that should be movies this is ridiculous. And, like, yeah. tastefully, too. It doesn't have to yeah. be, like, appropriated. Like, come on. Like, from Egypt. Can we get, like, let's go. You know what I mean? Right. But instead we get, I think there was literally, like, Egyptian gods or the gods of Egypt or something recently. And it fucking sucked. It was goddamn terrible. Do something Let's better. get some Egyptian, like, actresses and actors. Yes. Like, we don't need to whitewash it. Let's make it legit, you know? Exactly. Plus, I mean... Yeah, don't whitewash it. But at the same time, it's supposed to be gods and goddesses that have animal-like pieces to them. So it doesn't even fucking matter. Well, I just mean like if we were to create feared fucking meager human beings. <laughs> yeah. El Ghoul. The legend of the ghoul in the Middle East in general draws a one-eyed creature with a striking red pupil that lives on eating the flesh of human beings while they're still alive. It can morph into various forms, like an animal or a devil, or it can be disappear altogether. It is said that when a ghoul is struck with a sword, it would beg for another slash to be put out of its misery. A noble knight ought to know better, though, for when a ghoul is struck with a sword once, it dies, but if it's struck again, it comes back to life and eats him. In Egyptian folklore, Omena el Gula is an ugly evil witch that used her black magic to separate... Esther Hassan from his beloved set Elhosin Wellamal. I'm so sorry. I destroyed all of that, but she's an evil witch. But that's pretty fucking creepy. Like, if you fucking try to hit them twice, they come back and eat you. <laughs> like, stop, ap like, th that's just like that message of like, stop apologizing, you know? <laughs> So, Minhent was the foreign war goddess of Nubian origin. Her name is sometimes spelled... Oh, no, wait a minute. Her name translates into the slaughterer, the one who sacrifices, or she who massacres. I want that one, too. <laughs> Specifically, she who massacres. So, that, that's going on the list. Because of her very aggressive and warrior-like character, she is sometimes known as the goddess of lions. She was less commonly known as the crown goddess. She is believed to have the form of a woman with the head of a lion. She often was seen wearing a headdress with a solar disc and Uranus mounted on it. Originally, she was a consort of the Nubian war god. 
who brought her to Egypt. She is believed to ride ahead of Egyptian armies and destroy great warriors of enemies by shooting fiery arrows, causing an almost assured success in wars. In this aspect, she is protector of kings, pharaohs, and their armies. So the reason I added her is because she's a fucking badass. <laughs> like, and I love that it, so I know that in Greece, it's there's a god of war, but in this one, it's a woman. Yeah, that's right. And like, that just means something to me. I feel like it means more as a woman because, you know, men, they'll fight, but they'll get over it. Women will fucking burn <laughs> your house down and slaughter everything. And walking that, that away point. for later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I like, they literally were like, the slaughterer is leading us into battle. Like she's, she's got yeah. us, you know? Yeah. My girl. Exactly. Exactly. So I have a few little facts that are kind of brutal about <laughs> Egypt. So, you know, if you disrespected the sun god, they would immolate your entire being. <laughs> In ancient Egypt, violent crime was fairly rare, but one of the most awful crimes you could commit was any form of offense or disrespect toward the sun god. If you vandalized or robbed a temple, committed any form of personal disrespect, or were otherwise found guilty of any offense related to the sun god, mm -hmm. you were usually sentenced to be burned alive. This punishment was only reserved for the greatest of offenses and was usually accompanied by a ritual that sacrificed the individual to the gods. While the ancient Egyptians rarely practiced actual human sacrifices, this is one of the few exceptions. While burning alive is painful enough to begin with, it was considered the most horrific death of all by ancient Egyptians because of the ritual significance of the act. They believed strongly in preserving the physical body for life after death and believed that destroying the person's physical body completely by burning would leave them with no vessel in the afterlife. While the gods could still technically intervene to help this person, it was about as terrifying a punishment as a believer in ancient Egyptian society could imagine. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I would not want to be fucking burned alive. Even without the afterlife thing, that's awful. But imagine literally like if yeah. you thought that they were destroying your soul absolutely i mean they used to pay people to guard their tombs just to make sure that the bodies and they would have like a separate like statue that would be like their just in case their body was destroyed they have another one just to make sure that they'd make it and if those things were destroyed then you wouldn't go anywhere at all like how terrifying is that you wouldn't yeah. be able to be with your family again none of that right they even yeah. had, like, they really did not, they had a justice system, obviously, and they had a death penalty, but they really did not use it very often. That was one of the other, like, facts that was here. The option existed under the law, but it wasn't used very often. So it was not sanctioned very much, but they did have it when someone had done something bad enough, such as murder, treason, the death sentence they were punished was, it was pretty brutal when they did use it. So they would burn them alive when they disrespected the gods, but there were other forms of capital punishment where they also employed like decapitation, drowning and impalement on a stake. Yeah, that's, I do remember the impalement one. Mm, that's, I was like, my little peaceful Egyptians that just want to build things and pale people. <laughs> I know. I know everybody, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, they made emphasis that like Egyptians really did not do it very often, mm -hmm. but like really were like, oh, you fucked up big time. <laughs> right. Yeah. And they, 
like every, I think most people have done something with impalement, but the Egyptians I was learning, they were very much like Vlad the Impaler, where they would figure out how to get it through your body and your mouth that you were still alive. That's so fucked up. Oh, they were scientific about it. Yes. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. That's awful. Okay, this one's very small. El Ashkef El Mokif. A sly and domineering monster that first appeared in the infamous 1001 Nights fables, this creature lurks in the kingdom's palace and eventually kidnaps the princess, taking her to a faraway, desolate place and trapping her in a big iron cage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, my last little thing here is kind of just the the legends of ancient Egypt and like their curses, especially about around mummies, still linger today. And obviously, we've seen that in film plenty of times, but this is kind of one of those you know little urban legends, but. So legends and stories have been told about the idea of a mummy's curse, and the concept goes farther back than many people think. Even before the opening of King Tut's tomb, stories were already uh, cropping up about mummies taking revenge when their remains were disturbed. Then maybe stop doing it. Oh, yeah. Well, we have to find things. Excavation, you know. We want money. Not that gold. The most popular legend claims that 26 people were involved in opening the tomb and then they all started to die under mysterious circumstances, once the expedition leader himself succumbing very quickly to blood poisoning. Searches of the tomb have revealed mold spores, but nothing that is deemed particularly dangerous, not strong enough to damage you by just being in the room for a bit. Some have theorized that perhaps there was a strange disease involved that showed up as a blood poisoning, but some sci- but most scientists dismiss this, pointing out that the whole thing is not scientific anyway, since only six out of the 26 people involved had anything involving a recent death after the event. So I don't know. It doesn't mean that ancient Egyptians didn't try though to curse people. Many tombs have various symbols around them, cursing those who disturb their remains and the hopes that they will be attacked by vicious animals, such as lions or snakes, or even punished by the gods themselves for disturbing them. Which like, I mean, fair. I mean, I don't know, man, that thing had sat there for, thousands of years maybe the curse just you know wasn't as powerful as it used to be and only got six out of the 26 maybe they were like we don't really need to like curse it that long nobody's going to come for us after that long right right exactly this one is just not that creepy but kind of weird there was an outbreak of cholera that was once linked to food wrapping paper made from mummy bandages oh my god what there was a time when anything involving ancient egypt was considered a fad Mummies were imported. You're going to be super mad about this. Mummies were imported to Europe to be unwrapped at parties, and many, yeah, many, mummi- burn them. Mm-hmm. many mummies were illegally smuggled out of ancient Egypt. The truth is, there were a lot of mummies around, and no one really felt much respect for them. Even at the time, very little proper historical significance was attributed to them. For this reason, getting hold of mummy bandages was not only cheap, but in some cases, cheaper than paper. An enterprising businessman in the early 1900s in the United States decided that he could save some money by making wrapping paper for food and imported in some old brown mummy paper to do the trick. But his plan failed when people started catching cholera and the use of the mummy paper to wrap it was abandoned because it was traced back to that paper. 
which he God, that's I what he gets. I fucking hate people. I fucking hate people so much. I can't even imagine how many mummies don't exist anymore because of that, because of the unwrapping parties. And like I said, there there was a guy who was trying to bring a mummy back on a boat and he thought it was cursed, so he threw it in the water. How that's dare you? Like those are awful. people those were people. Those were their lives. How fucking dare you? Especially when you consider the fact that they literally thought they had to preserve their physical yes. selves to be in the afterlife. Exactly. Exactly. Like you are, oh, it makes me so mad. Like there are pictures. I'm going to sound very cruel for a second, but there are pictures of Egyptian people that are selling mummies on the street. And why it pisses me off is because, yes, you're Egyptian, but the ancient Egyptians were long since taken out by the Greeks, the Romans, the Muslims, all of that. So you don't care. It's not your fucking culture. Let's just fucking sell it. I hate that. Right. Yeah. Ooh, I'm mad. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all for money. Like, we yeah. know that. Yep. Always. Yeah. It's just, I don't fucking get, like, I know that people rob graveyards. Like, I know that grave robbing's a thing. But it's not nearly as much of a thing as taking these Egyptian mummies. Like, that was just all over the place, taking these fucking mummies. How is it any different? That's still a dead person that cared about their life enough to do this fucking thing. Yeah. Ugh. All right. We, we've destroyed so much culture. Yeah, that's a whole other fucking thing. I can't imagine how much cool fucking shit were in these tombs and were just broken or burnt or sold and they're just gone forever on the black market oh yeah sitting in some rich person's house correct or maybe it didn't even make it that far because the poor egyptian farmer that wanted to you know steal it for money didn't know how to take care of it and it was destroyed in root like who knows but so fucking sad yeah all right abu regal Mas, masluka ish egyptian parents favorite this was the creature we were all scared of as kids because most parents used it as a way to get kids to behave if we didn't finish our homework or if we were naughty we'd be threatened or be sent to i'm not going to say it again him nobody knows if this is a man or another weird monster since it was mostly left to our vivid colorful imaginations what we do know is that this thing has one leg that's completely burnt that it and the Algula are tight friends, and that it would torture us poor kids if we didn't do as we were told. It's like Krampus is coming for you. I don't, if I have kids, I don't plan on like making something up to scare them, but I love that that's just Candy been. Candyman. <laughs> Everywhere. Love that, yeah. I love that that's just been used as a parenting device for <laughs> since the beginning of time. Fucking go to bed. Why? 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 Because Candyman's coming for you. Just go to bed. Yeah, I mean, like, I get it. <laughs> you know what? Just because. Because, I mean, I guess get Santa Claus face. is, like, a less scary, like, Krampus. But then there's, like, you have to be good because Santa Claus. Yeah, I mean, he's it's, watching. Yeah, that's just, like, a less. I mean, it is creepy. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, it's a less. Back. Yeah, less scary. Well, it's less scary because he brings you presents. So you're cool with people watching you and peeping on you as long as they bring you stuff. As long as the payoff is good. <laughs> right, exactly. The pros outweigh the cons here. 
It's time to wrap this like a mummy. <laughs> oh my god. I see what you did there. Get it? Get it? Get it? <laughs> thank you. So, thank you so much for hanging out with us for this haunted happy hour. A little different, but I thought it was pretty fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, if you have any other things that, uh, like cultures that you would like this, if you enjoyed this, let us know if there's any other cultures that you would like to hear, is what I'm trying to say here. <laughs> You can hit us up on all of our social medias. Everything is the Extra Sisters podcast, except for Twitter, which is at the Extra Sisters. And if you would like to join our little Patreon fam, you can over at patreon.com slash the Extra Sisters podcast. Until next time, stay creepy.